Hello and welcome to the program UFO Warning. In this episode we're talking about the Mojave Incident. That's correct, the Mojave Incident. And this was an alien abduction case that happened back in October of 1989. Involved a couple of people by the name of Steve and Don Hess. Now this first article comes to us from the medium.com written by Dave Partridge and it's titled The Mojave Incident. He begins by saying it's one of the most frightening alleged alien abductions of recent times, yet very few have heard of the events surrounding Steve and Don Hess. He begins, he says, when you think of alien abductees, your mind immediately flashes the names of Travis Walton, Betty and Barney Hill, and Whitley Stryber, maybe even Samantha Mulder, sister of the X-Files, Fox Mulder. You also get the names of Betty Andreessen or, Anton or Antonio Vila Boas if you're particularly clued up. What you probably won't think of are the names of a California couple, Steve and Don Hess. Their experience and subsequent hypnotic regression is covered in a book by crime author Ron Felber called The Mojave Incident, and it is a truly terrifying and at times mentally draining read. It says, On the weekend of the 20th and 21st, October 1989, the young couple had scheduled a trip to the Mojave foothills in Steve's father's truck, leaving their two small children in the care of his parents. The pair were looking forward to the trip, and after a minor success on the slots at Whiskey Pete's Casino, just inside the Nevada border, they were headed for the Mid-Hills camping ground when inclement weather meant a night in their truck by the side of the road. By morning, the fog and mist had cleared, and they started on toward Mid-Hills again. Situated between the New York and Providence Mountains and 70 miles southwest of Las Vegas as a crow flies, the campground is pretty much in the middle of nowhere, with dusty, uneven roads leading to a perfect retreat away from the bustle of city life. And you can see the picture here. I mean, it looks like a moonscape. Now, I'll leave links at the Buy Me a Coffee website, and thanks to all the people that support over there, and if you want to, that's a great help. And you can look at some of these pictures uh, that are attached to this article, and I'll also leave a link to the map to kind of show where this is at. Definitely in the middle of nowhere. The previous weekend, Steve had been with his brother and father in the same area and had spotted a large buck so had brought his 12-gauge shotgun and 7mm Browning rifle with him intent on taking the deer back to his father after the weekend. Naturally Don wasn't too impressed as Steve stopped the truck every so often to get out and scout around the area on foot. By the time they arrived at Midhill's camping ground the place was unusually full for that time of year. Not even a bad spot available, Steve had commented, so the couple had no option but to find an alternative. Hitting upon the idea of going off-road to find a secluded spot between Tabletop and Woods Mountain, a valley from where they could look out over the desert floor, Steve drove the two-wheel drive truck down the creek beds surrounded by sagebrush, juniper trees, and granite rocks, a trail more suited to a four-wheel drive vehicle. If you look at the picture of the stuff, you can see the, the landscape's really rugged. I, I'm not even sure. I mean, I'm thinking maybe you would need like a four-wheeler to get back in there, not a, not a two-wheel drive pickup truck. So anyway, he did it. It says, Don's apprehension, though, seemed to be growing. Something just didn't feel right to her. When they finally stopped, it was dark, and the silhouetted outline of Tabletop Mountain rose high above them a mere 500 yards away. As Steve set up camp and got a fire pit going to cook steaks and beans, Don afforded herself Don afforded herself to relax a little. The first incident of note occurred as Steve was tending to the steaks. 
He was absentmindedly looking at the stars when he saw a light moving above Woods Mountain that half awoke a forgotten or suppressed memory and froze him temporarily. Well, there you go. Awoke, awoke a suppressed memory. This looked like maybe this guy's been abducted before, huh? Anyway, when Don's voice snapped him out of it, he played it down, but an uneasiness had already embedded itself in his mind. After the meal, and as the couple looked at the stars drinking wine, Steve was pointing out various constellations like Leo, Eros, and Pegasus, and was explaining that the demon star, Algo, shined so bright because it was a double star. Then, Don drew his attention to an even brighter object, suggesting it was a triple star. As it came closer, they witnessed nine orbs of light shining so bright that they couldn't possibly be stars. Steve tried to dismiss it using the old U.S. Air Force favorite weather balloon explanation and later as, a, and later as secret military maneuvers from Knowles Air Force ba Base nearby. But as the lights got nearer and started blinking as if in communication with each other, they noticed the desert had suddenly gone eerily quiet. So they're looking at the stars. They see one that, oh, wow, that's a super bright star. It shows up, and it's got nine orbs around it, and everything goes quiet. Sounds like a UFO encounter to me. As the lights appeared to position themselves above Steve and Don's position, the flashing intensified before blinking out altogether, only to reappear somewhere to the west of the truck. Steve tried to reassure a frightened Don as she cried out. Hundreds of small flashing lights had begun descending to the valley floor ahead of them. It goes on and says, In the hours that followed, Steve and Don were terrorized by a number of beings. At first, Steve was intent on protecting Don using his rifle, but was warned that it wouldn't end well by Don, who had received some sort of telepathic message. Then what seemed like thousands of small red-eyed gremlins ran amuck in the desert outside the truck. They were leaping on the surrounding sagebrushes and all over the vehicle in an exciting, childlike frenzy. Wow, now that's crazy. It says, What seemed like thousands of small, red-eyed gremlins ran amuck in the desert outside the truck, leaping on the surrounding sagebrush and all over the vehicle in an excited, childlike frenzy. I'm not sure I would describe that childlike so much. It's more like a shark feed, it sounds like. There were two bizarre sentient beings stationed to the rear who appeared to track the couple's every movement in the truck. Each time Steve moved toward the tailgate, these beings countered the move, ensuring they were effectively trapped in the back of the Ford. If that wasn't enough, nine if that wasn't enough, nine tall, thin, translucent beings with large, deep, featureless black eyes started to surround the truck, peering in through the windows. Steve and Don experienced a wide range of emotions during their enforced confinement. Pride, anger, fear, panic, and love. Both remembered important life events, good and bad. One especially horrific experience in Dawn's case, while at the same time having thoughts projected into her minds, including a nightmarish scene involving their son. Were these tall beings responsible for what they were experiencing, or was it part of a panic-induced psychosis? The being's appearance is certainly consistent with other abduction reports over the years. It goes on and says, In the distance they could see a huge craft beaming light down to the valley, in which various flora and fauna was being transported toward an opening on the underside, almost like a giant, slow-moving vacuum cleaner. Gradually, the small gremlins disappeared back to the craft, as did the taller beings, after the appearance by a luminous figure 
who emitted a feeling of intense calm over the couple. Drained by their ordeal, Steve and Don were both overcome by extreme fatigue and lay down, falling asleep immediately bathed in a soft white light. When they awoke, it was morning, and the surrounding area was totally devoid of any evidence of the previous night's activity. No footprints, no bodily marks, save a couple of small pinpricks on Don's neck. Nothing in the vicinity to suggest something otherworldly had occurred. As the couple looked at each other, they both made the conscious decision to keep their experience to themselves. They, hide, they hightailed it back to their home in Los Angeles, thinking it all a bad, lucid dream, until they saw a large disc-shaped craft following them. Now, that would be a true nightmare there. I mean, to have experienced the situation with these gremlins running all over the place, you're trapped in this truck, you can't get out. They finally see these things leave, but then on the way home, this spaceship shows up. In the months that followed, both Steve and Don were badly affected by their experience of that weekend and eventually told their parents in February the following year. There were also a number of bizarre incidents in the home involving their children and, feeling, and the feeling of being watched by something or things in their bedroom. Don even was assaulted physically on one occasion. Nearly two years to the date of the incident, they met with author Ron Felber. For the complete story, it says we recommend you read the book, The Mojave Incident. That's extremely strange. Now, this article here comes from UFOinsight.com. It says, although it isn't a widely known incident, the apparent alien abduction encounter of husband and wife Steve and Don Hess is one of the most disturbing, if thought-provoking, of, relatively speaking, recent times. And of more importance, the encounter contains several intriguing details that not only show up in other alien abduction encounters, but also resonate with the overall picture of what we know about the alien abduction phenomena, both in terms of the abduction themselves as well as why they are happening in the first place. It says, furthermore, the location itself, both the Mojave Desert and the wider state of California, is a part of the United States that is no stranger to UFO encounters, with the Golden State having more sightings than many other parts of America. This detail might force us to ask if the reason for this higher than average number of UFO and alien encounters is down to an alien base somewhere near the area or might we instead turn our attention to the many military facilities in the region to find explanations. Ultimately the alien abduction ultimately the alien abduction encounter of Steve and Don Hess is as compelling as it is terrifying and is one that adds more proof that something, whatever it might be, very strange is taking place in our world. It goes on, it says, well, many media platforms have documented and examined this fascinating, if unsettling encounter. It was explored in full by author Ron Felber in the Mojave Incident. Now, it says here, the story begins on October 20th, 1989, when Steve and Don Hess were heading out to the foothills of, Mo of the Mojave Desert. Having, after having left their two children with Steve's parents before borrowing his father's truck to make the journey. They were heading to the Mid-Hills camping grounds just inside the state limits of Nevada. However, the weather turned unusually unsettled, so they opted to pull to the side of the road and remain there for the evening. It says, The following morning, with the heavy fog now clear, the pair set off once more toward the Mid-Hills camping ground, a location, incidentally, that was in the middle of nowhere, when they eventually arrived, er, arrived early in the evening, however, they were a little shocked and disappointed to find the camp was completely full. So full, in fact, that there was nowhere to park. With nowhere for them to stay for the night, the couple decided to head to a secluded valley in between Tabletop and Woods Mountains where they could camp for the night. 
Steve eventually brought the vehicle to a stop in a particularly secluded location with the monstrous dimensions of tabletop mountain towering over them. Although Steve was perfectly relaxed with their surroundings as he began to start a fire a short distance from the truck, to Dawn something didn't quite feel right. Although she couldn't quite put her finger on it, she couldn't shake the feeling that something untoward was heading their way. As Steve began to cook steak and beans over the open fire, Dawn pushed the feelings from her mind. It says, as the food cooked, the pair marveled at how clear the night sky was, a, clear, a crystal clear blackness with multiple stars twinkling overhead. However, as Steve went to turn the stakes, he noticed something unusual. What, what he at first thought was a star, he realized was an unusual light moving over Woods Mountain. Almost immediately after noticing, noticing it, Steve seemed to go into some kind of strange trance as if his subconscious mind was attempting to reveal a forgotten memory to him. He wasn't sure how long he was locked in this seemingly trance-like state, but it wasn't until he heard Don calling his name that he came out of it. Yeah, this is something that we see a lot of times with people that are experiences or abductees. When they have this second encounter, they're almost like they're going into a subconscious state. Although he was more than a little unnerved by the episode, like Don earlier, he pushed it from his mind and the couple ate their meal before sharing a bottle of wine as they looked up at the stars once more. That's called normalcy bias, when you just want things to be normal and you, something unusual happens and you just ignore it. Uh, kind of refuting your situational awareness, I guess you could say. However, like earlier, Steve's attention was drawn toward a star that appeared to be out of place in the sky. And like before, when the star began to move, Steve realized it wasn't a star at all. This time, he didn't sink into a catatonic-like state. And what's more, Don could see this cosmic anomaly too. Even more remarkable, the couple soon noticed multiple other lights also moving in the sky, eventually counting nine in total. As these lights moved, they appeared to have navigated into a strange M formation. Then things turned even stranger. To begin with, the couple believed they were witnessing a strange aircraft experiment from the nearby Newell's Air Force Base. However, when the light came to a stop before, before smaller red lights emerged from them and headed in their direction across the desert, they realized they were witnessing something truly out of the ordinary. So you, they see these, this mothership basically show up and these other lights just emerge from the ship, these red lights, and head toward them. As these lights moved, they appeared to pulsate and glow temporarily brighter each time they did. Of more concern, they appeared to, there appeared to be so many of them that the couple couldn't count them all. Bizarrely, despite the surreal nature of the moment, Steve and Don also both later recalled they were aware that the usual nighttime sounds of the desert could not be heard, as if everything had suddenly stopped. Before they knew it, the lights were above and all around them, seemingly dancing in and around each other as the flashing pulsating light continued. The flashing movements began to increase in intensity for several seconds before they suddenly seemed to just go out as if someone had flicked the, swiss, the switch off. Steve and Don took a moment to briefly comprehend what had just happened. Before they could fully do so, though, each, each could hear the sound of scampering feet nearby. And what's more, it just wasn't one pair of feet, but many. I hear these gremlins are talking about again. These sounds snapped both of them back to attention, and each scrambled to get back to the truck. As soon as they were inside, Steve reached for the rifle they had brought with them. 
When he looked out of the window of the truck's cabin, he could see not one pair, but many pairs of what appeared to be glowing red eyes. That, seems to be, that seemed to be watching and circling them. At one point, a sudden jolting of the cabin appeared to suggest one of these creatures had jumped onto their vehicle. Now, these red eyes remind me of what we often hear about with uh, Bigfoot or some of these uh, crypto site, crypt, cryptid sightings. As this was happening, Steve raised the rifle and was about to take a shot in the direction the creature appeared to have, appeared to have headed. Don, though, urged him not to shoot, stating that it wouldn't be a good idea. Even as she said it, she questioned if these were her thoughts or whether she was somehow being manipulated. Well, for one thing, if he would have fired that rifle off inside that truck, it would have made a tremendous uh, racket, believe me. They remained still for several minutes. Then two of these strange creatures came closer. The couple looked on horrified as these strange entities approached the parked truck. They were so strange and unlike anything either of them had ever seen that the only way they could describe them was small, red-eyed gremlins. At this point, the already terrifying encounter turned even more so. The creatures, almost as if they could sense the couple's fear and terror, began to approach the truck closer and closer until eventually they jumped onto it or banged several times on it as they rushed by. Actions that Steve and Don were convinced were to, were to increase their fear even more. As this was happening, the pair could also hear the creatures seemingly speaking to each other, although it was a language that they were not at all familiar with. We, we hear about this sometimes too with these aliens where they seem to communicate verbally, and you know, we have to think that they are quite capable of communicating telepathically, so if they're doing this verbally, it must just be to intimidate and frighten the people that they're harassing. It says, seemingly coming out of the darkness were nine tall beings with overly thin frames with particularly large black eyes. These entities continued to approach until they completely surrounded the truck, looking straight into the truck at the now horrified couple. As this was happening, each of them experienced a sudden surge of thoughts, images, and emotions that flowed through their minds, and each of them was convinced that these were placed there telepathically by these strange entities. Even stranger, in the distance behind the tall beings, a bizarre disc-shaped object descended out of the sky before coming to a stop a short distance from the ground overhead and in front of them. As it hovered, various vegetation was drawn toward it and seemingly disappeared into the underside. Wow, like they said, this thing is just acting like some sort of giant sky vacuum. Then, before they could contemplate what was happening, a thick fog-like substance appeared all around them and no time at all had penetrated the vehicle, and a moment later, each of them blacked out. When they awoke, the thick mist had cleared. Furthermore, the night had been replaced with the redness of the rising morning sun. Of more importance to the couple, the strange creatures also appeared to have gone. When they summoned up the courage to peer out of the truck and examine their immediate surroundings, they could find no evidence of their presence, such as footprints or other markings. They did, however, discover two small red dots on Don's neck as if something pin-like had pierced the skin. And this is the sort of thing we hear a lot about with alien abductees, this, these two pin-like marks on the skin, usually around the neck area. The pair took several moments to gather the thoughts. Neither could remember anything after the bright lights of the UFO and the strange mist that filled their truck, and neither could put forward anything close to a rational explanation for what they had witnessed prior to that. They did, though, agree that they had been privy to something extraordinary and, more importantly, very real. They also agreed that it would be best if they kept the experience to themselves. 
The couple then quickly gathered the things back into the truck and set out for home in Los Angeles, suddenly more than eager to leave the area and the incident behind. As they traveled along the lonely highway, however, they each noticed a disc-shaped object, almost identical to the one they had been that they had seen descending the previous evening, seemingly following them. This continued for several miles before the object disappeared. They eventually arrived home and attempted to pick up their lives from the point where they headed to the from the point before they headed to the Mojave Desert. However, they would soon discover that this would prove to be easier said than done. And it goes on, it says has a picture of them here and it says, although they did not speak of the strange encounter to any of their friends and family, they would continue to feel to feel the effects of the bizarre incident as the days and weeks went by. For example, both Steve and Don would experience sudden intense headaches, as well as feeling equally intense bouts of nausea. Furthermore, would furthermore both would experience particularly intense nightmares, unlike anything they had experienced before. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the Havana syndrome that Nolan was investigating. There were, though, further more ominous and outright creepy experiences. Each of them would begin to see lights in the sky that appeared to be following them. They also both began to hear particularly strange sounds inside their house. Even more concerning, both couldn't escape the feeling that someone or something was watching their every movement. However, when their children began telling them that strange creatures with bright red eyes were appearing in their rooms at night, they realized that the incident was far from behind them. One particular night, the couple was dragged from sleep by the sounds of their son screaming in terror. When they rushed into his bedroom, they were shocked to see him levitating in the air while spinning like a top, as if being spun by a pair of invisible hands. Now, this has gotten to uh, absolute poltergeist level, I think. By the time Don began reporting being grabbed and pushed by an apparent invisible entity, the pair decided they had no option but to undergo hypnotic regression in an attempt to unlock their memories and find out just what happened that October night in the Mojave Desert. Look, at this point, I don't know if this could be like a hitchhiker effect like uh, we've heard, you know, talked about with, with uh, uh, Travis uh, Taylor talk about uh, happening out there at Skinwalker Ranch. It almost sounds like they need an exorcist more than they need uh uh, hypnotist. I don't know. This is some pretty bad stuff. It says the couple would eventually contact Dr. William Anxeter, who would agree to hypnotically regress the couple in an attempt to unlock their suppressed memories. Ultimately, they, rec they would recall that after they had lost consciousness, the strange tall creatures had taken them from the vehicle onto the disc-shaped craft. Once on board, they were both then subjected to many different tests, experiments, and procedures. Both recalled that not only do these procedures at times cause them considerable pain, but one of them resulted in the strange marks they had noticed on Don's neck. Essentially, it would appear that Steve and Don Hess underwent a typical alien abduction. However, we might question if this was the only such encounter in their lives. Might they have been abducted before, perhaps multiple times over the course of many years? It, it seems like that, doesn't it? As some researchers have pointed out, the fact that these experiments are carried out and apparent records are kept of them is suggestive of a purposeful, ongoing program. Whatever that is a case, whether that is the case here or whether Steve and Don Hess were simply in the wrong place at the wrong time is perhaps open to debate. You know, this is the kind of thing I would have liked to have seen at that uh, congressional subcommittee hearing. There was, though, one particular interesting and worrying part of the session that, that was worth highlighting. It says, not only did Don begin speaking in a voice that was not her own, as if she had been possessed by another intelligence, 
but she stated that, quote, I know the universe ends before elaborating that the universe ends when its matter stops mattering to us and starts mattering to them. That's bizarre. What was meant by this from those from whose perspective it was said remains unknown. What was certain, as the Hess family already knew, was something very strange and perhaps ominous that took place in the valley of the Mojave Desert that October evening in 1989. Well, something, <laughs> yeah, it's no guess to me. This was definitely ominous. It goes on and talks a little bit about Ron Felber's investigation, uh, how he met how he met them, and and you know basically went through and details the uh, abduction even more. What you see here, I think, is just kind of the dark side of this whole uh, alien abduction thing that doesn't get a lot of coverage in the news. So oftentimes we get uh, Stephen Gurr's viewpoint that they're here to help and you know help expand our consciousness or whatever, and that they're not here to hurt anybody, and that all of these negative abductions are, are somehow just something created by the deep state. But I think it'd be I think it's a little simplistic to look at it that way. I mean, I, if if they can be good, you have to also wonder if there's not a bad side of the coin. And this is a really uh weird abduction case. You know, the gist of it is they're out there in the Mojave Desert camping. They get uh basically assaulted by these red-eyed gremlin creatures. Abducted on this craft, they can't even remember all stuff that happens to them. And but they know it's bad. And then to complicate matters, to kind of add insult to injury, when they get back home, they have their own kids are being attacked by this poltergeist. You know, she walks in the bedroom, this kid's, you know, levitated off the mattress, he's spinning like a top. This is all some really dark, uh, strange stuff, which this isn't the only alien abduction case that this sort of thing has come up in. But it does seem like it's ignored a lot. It's ignored by a lot of people that are interested in UFOs, but I think just because it's a... Uh, it's a negative story. It's kind of a buzzkill. And it's also ignored by the mainstream uh, media because they just find it's too fantastic. Or maybe they don't want to present that side of the UFO phenomena. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out.